Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with makers and artists of all kinds from all over the world, those who identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. This episode's guest is Ava Foster. Ava grew up in rural Manitoba and started carving when she got her first jackknife sometime before the age of 10. Two of the first things she can remember carving were a candlestick with a flame on top and a shrew-sized canoe that she later sent down the brook at her aunt's farm. Ava has carved on and off since then, but only started pursuing it more seriously in late 2017 when she wanted to produce wares for a market and the power supply at her shop was failing on a regular basis. She decided it was best to rely mostly on hand tools instead of the machines. She started creating and selling spoons because they are simple, practical product for the public. When Ava began to hear people saying the spoons and carved serving boards were too nice to use, she saw the potential to take more creative risks in her work. Ava continues to learn, growing both her mental and physical carving toolbox. In 2020, marked the shift of her carving, turning fully into an art form. And um, I really enjoyed talking with Ava, as most of you know, being a power carver, I definitely geek out when I get to talk with others who also carve and um, really just talking a lot about, you know, using both hand tools and power tools, when to use them. And we also spend a good amount of time just talking straight up business, which I also always enjoy uh, because there's just so much to learn. Everybody goes about it a different way. And um, it's, it's nice to learn how people have become successful with their businesses. Now, before hopping into the conversation with Ava, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. A super thanks to Matthew from Artigiano Serio, podcast sponsor. And thank you to other patrons at, such as Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio Obey, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support helping to make this podcast happen. Now, please stick around to the end of the episode to find out ways that you can help support the podcast as well. In the meantime, let's head on into my conversation with Ava Foster. Awesome. Well, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah. So I'm Ava Foster. Awesome. And what are your pronouns? She, her. Thank you very much. And uh, what do you do, Ava? So I am a woodcarver and artist. And when you say woodcarver, I feel like you do it all by hand, like hand tool carving. Um, So it is, it it really depends. So so if if I'm like really want and need the meditative part of the process, because I'm Mm -hmm. feeling um, like the mental static buildup, then I will like very consciously, this is a hand tool day. Uh, but if it's like, yep, yeah, I'm feeling good. Let's get through this. And I'm good with the mess and the noise. Then, you know, I'll get my, my, I think you found me through the saber tooth um, yep. reposting. So yeah, I'll get my, those power tools out and go at it. So I would call myself more of like the hybrid carver, Okay. but I, I definitely like prefer and love the the tools, but like when I think there's a lot of people who are like purists about like, and that's definitely um, a mentality that I took on like a religion at first, but I realized like, okay, these old masters, like they didn't do that because that's the best way they did it because that was the only way, only way. That they yeah. Had. yeah, you know, like the, like if, if the carpenters of yesteryear saw us, you know, just sticking to this, they would like, you know, my body matters. I don't want it to right. deteriorate, you know, like that's, that's important to me. It's like sustainability in this career for myself physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though it's interesting because, um, like I've thought, I've thought about hand carving. Um, like I definitely um, look up to those of you who can do it because <laughs> I feel like I don't have the patience necessarily to sit down. I, sometimes I'm just like, oh, this takes forever um, to to do it. But then I think by maybe being a hybrid, you're actually like 
making your body last longer because I know I have like tendonitis and stuff like that from using the power tools all the time. Um, yeah. You know, just, just all that just, vibration and stuff. Yeah. And just even giving your body the the variety, mm-hmm. you know, if you wore the same shoes every day, your feet would just be formed to those. It's like good to change it up. Mm-hmm. So, but you started with hand tools only? Yes. So I started like very early, like origin starting would have been just like, I got a jackknife when I was a kid and had a lot of time outside. We had, we lived outside of uh, like rural Manitoba. Mm -hmm. Um, So then it would just be like sharpening sticks and stuff. And then I, I think one of the first things I whittled was a little candle because I was obsessed with fire and, uh, and little canoes that I would like keep and, and bring to my aunt and uncle's place. And so those were all just like with my knife, super crude. Like I never kept any of it. I, I, I feel like I'm pretty good about not being emotionally attached to my work. Like I love the process and that. And then I also know how much appreciation other people have for it. So letting it go or selling it is like another joyful experience. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's talk origin story as in, uh, you know, where'd you grow up? What things interested you besides making canoes and sharpening sticks? Um, and, uh, kind of how you got into doing this as, you know, a career. Yeah. So like I said, I grew up in like rural Manitoba. We had 20 acres, 10 of which were like maintainable land. We had horses and stuff like that. So I've always had, and like, we've had rabbits and all kinds of pets. So I definitely always have had like a huge interest in animals. And I think it definitely warrants saying like my grandfather had like a mini zoo in rural Manitoba, which like since Tiger King came out, people are like, he's the Tiger King of Manitoba. But it's like, (laughs) you know, not really on that level. But like also looking back now, I see like, you know, cages could have been bigger and stuff, but like things we didn't know at the time, right? Animal rights weren't a thing, you know, like it wasn't. Anyways, so like lots, like my, animals are are so important to me and I'm always so interested in them and like studying their behavior and stuff and um yeah so then I went through school and I ended up I played volleyball got a volleyball scholarship to Athens Georgia and I chose that school specifically because they had a metal smithing program (laughs) and um but it ended up that my volleyball was at the same time as the courses that I needed and it was too difficult and I ended up I ended up quitting because I, I wasn't happy. I was felt like I was being torn between the athletic world and the, the creative world where they both were saying choose. So I had to not do either one because the, you know, the scholarship was what was paying for me to go there. So I knew that I needed to figure something out to do that was creative, but probably wasn't going to be my long-term thing because I knew I needed to reevaluate. So I ended up going to hair school. And the more that I learned about the medium of hair, and the way hair behaves in different environments with different products and also the helping people to feel good, helping them to like reframe um, their thoughts about things. And, and so then I also tried to take on some life coaching part of it. So then inevitably ended up burning out despite my extreme interest in the actual like hair medium. So thinking back as like, did I want to go back into jewelry? And I was like, well, what kind of clientele do I want? Because if this is the reason I'm leaving, is, you know, I'm, I've hit this emotional threshold wall. Um, wood, wood seems like the medium where, where cl- and clients are just so forgiving and so loving and, and they, and it's proven to be true. Like when I make something and there'll be a little crack in it or even a dent in it, which is like, Ooh, or like, you know, mm-hmm. like people who do woodworking, it's like, when we sand something, I can see that scratch mark. Whereas right. somebody who doesn't is like, <laughs> thinks that's the wood grain. Right. Right. You know, so people are so like, Oh, it's character. Like it doesn't matter, you know, and it's just so, it feels so good. So, so yeah, then I went to a school in Ontario. Um, at first I toured a couple different schools. I thought maybe I wanted to do industrial design. I spent a couple of years upgrading like physics and pre-cal and then realized I don't want to sit in the classroom. Like this isn't, I need to make things with my hands. So I took this like fine woodworking course like all traditional wood joinery in this little town Perth Ontario um Rosewood Studio and just eight benches there and the teacher Ron was so great um he has like his curriculum of what he's going to teach but I also had my own ideas of like I want to go on this lark and this lark and that project I feel like I've got what I need from it 
and I don't want to finish executing it because uh, I don't need. So I, then I would work on something else and he, he, I'd be like, Hey, can you help me with this? And instead of like other teachers that had being annoyed that you're not following, he right. just jumped right in and yeah, let's help you with that. So that was really great. And, uh, and then I went back to hair when I came back here and it's just been kind of like a slow transition of, I think I went to furniture school because I thought this has sort of been ingrained in me from, from childhood, like culturally, I'm like culturally Mennonite. The Mennonites here are not like Mennonites, probably like you have in Idaho. They still are very conservative, but like Mennonites here, like they don't live on colonies. We like, they're a lot more, um, like they, they, they would hold the conservative value of, for example, like I just, art was never valued as a thing for itself, mm-hmm. you know, and like a sort of like adjacent culture, which would be Ukrainian, um, way more of the, the art and stuff like that. So I just always thought that in order to be valued and accepted, I need to make something practical. Mm. So that's why I went to the furniture school. And it's been like, since then, like more people encouraging me and like, social media has been great for oh I I'm gonna start carving spoons and then oh well you think this spoon is too nice to use if you think it's too nice to use and you're just gonna put it on the wall I'm gonna make you something to put on your wall right why you know like (laughs) if you think this is art why am I not making art like I'm the only one who thinks I'm not an artist so yeah 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 that's really funny because I have several carved wooden spoons that I have bought from other makers because I'm a little bit obsessed with them and I don't use them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, and I've told some of them that and they like are heartbroken. They're like, we make yeah. these to be used. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I realized as you're saying that I said I wasn't precious about my work, but in that way, yeah, I feel like that's not what it's meant for. Right. But, you know. <laughs> But I instead I just like, oh, well, why wouldn't I just make art then? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, I find it interesting. So like when you were talking about hair, like I feel when I was when I was growing up and, you know, being raised um, conditioned female and being (laughs) conditioned heterosexual, like I hated hair um, because it was like, you know, supposed to be long and like all these things done with it. And as I've aged and embraced like all the parts of me, um, like one of the actually the most exciting things for me about uh, going to grad school for art starting in August is I'm like, I am going to get the hella queer as fuck haircut done. Just (laughs) like, yes, I finally get to show up like wholly as me. (laughs) Yeah. I feel my, I feel my eyes tearing up because like I, as, as a hairstylist, when people would come to me in that state of transition, whether it be like, like any kind of life, yeah, transition, yeah. a lot of times women, it's a breakup or whatever. Like yeah. when, when I think it's like a Coco Chanel quote, a woman who changes her hair is a woman who's about to change her life. Mm-hmm. And it is true. And like to have that honor of somebody trusting you to help them through that and to help them feel more confident and beautiful within themselves is like, yeah. It's making me cry right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so beautiful. It's so satisfying. Yeah. yeah. And good for you. Yeah. There's just something I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast before either. I have like a lot of hairstylists in my family. Um, oh, yeah. like my grandfather was one. Um, and I have an uncle who's one and a cousin and an aunt. And like I just I grew up in a world of hair, like, but different and you know it's been interesting to see like from kind of like my grandfather and uncle's like perspective of like doing hair versus like my cousin who's like a total like rock star and you know just like embraces like all of the like craziness that you can like (laughs) that's embraced about hair these days you know it's just interesting to see even that transition in the industry I think Um, absolutely and And like the salon I worked at was 
um, we always had continuing education, always up on the newest trends, which would keep me like so engaged. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I, that's something that I've found about myself that I I get engrossed in a medium. Like when I went to this woodworking school, and we're we're talking about different finishes and how the wood reacts with it and that kind of thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many parallels mm-hmm. because, like, if you think about it, wood is is a no longer living thing. Yeah. Same with hair, you know, but it, they're both organic in origin. Yes. And oh man, it's just like, yeah. I, I find the same with, um, and this is what I do when I, like when I start, started learning about dyes of, and dyeing wood and started, I mean, I learned about that in a classroom, but then I've done so much more like just work on my own learning about that. And I always compare it wood to like cotton or any other like plant medium, because it's like, like you said, it's like, it's no longer alive, but it still has life. Like there's just this, I I mean, like wood still, you know, brings in and releases moisture, like as if it was breathing. And it's just fascinating to me that it still does that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like the predictable properties of it. And I think like when you were talking about, um, you get impatient with the, with the, uh, carving by hand, like Mm. there's definitely, I, I, for the longest time thought at at some point I should probably get some actual training on carving because I'm self-taught, but I think that's just like the societal, like I I had that ingrained in me, but like, yeah, working with hand tools, you get that immediate intuitive feedback. Like why did that break off? And then it's like, oh yeah, I see how that happened. Yeah. You know, and like you, you do find like shortcuts to do things. Like I, I used to think it was way faster to power carve, but now that I've spent more time, I've, you know, spent more time on my like own spiritual growth and that too. Um, I, I have found ways that it is, can be as fast and yeah, it's, it's, I'm more like contemplative about it and intentional about Mm it. Yeah. Yeah. See those things that you're valuing about that are all the things that I'm like, uh, uh, nope. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not for everyone, but I do, I will say like, there are some power carving tools that do actually give you that very same feedback as what hand carving does just faster. And I would say that's like the Arbor tech tools. And that's kind of why I don't like them. Um, because if I'm not as super diligent about it, not only am I going to like ruin the piece I'm working on because I hit the grain wrong, but it's also like dangerous like it's, it's thrown, scary yeah it's thrown that, wood in you know into my body because I hit the grain yeah. wrong yeah um, the intensity yeah. of the feedback is amplified yeah. for yes. sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why I tend to like I mean like you know a lot more of the like card by tools like the saber tooth tools or whatever like they're um, great you know you really don't have to really care at all <laughs> about yeah, <grain. laughs> and there's some areas in carving where it's just like it's not worth me trying to finagle in that little area when i can right. just use my cone shape and just yep. you know and then do it you know slightly clean it up yep. after but yeah yeah um <clears throat> so yes i think it was probably saber tooth i'm pretty sure it was a saber tooth repost that i found you through um yeah but loving the like you also add the the pyro pyro I can't say it <laughs> pyro pyro <laughs> not pyrography yeah <laughs> that's not that's not an eloquent thing we we all know what we're yes. talking about <laughs> burning up the yes. wood yes yeah <laughs> so adding that on too I've and I've been thinking about that I've been watching more and more like on Instagram people you know um who incorporate that especially when you're using it to kind of like form that texture I think that that's really cool when did you bring that into your um I think like much like the the carving I did have like a cheap craft store quality um wood burner when I was a kid mm-hmm. um but actually last year there was uh husband and wife approached me about uh wood burning an urn that they had got mm-hmm. made for their for their daughter that had passed. And, um, so then I went and bought myself like a nice wood burner for this. And then it was just, I realized like, Oh, there's some, even, even if I'm going to paint something like 
to, to just use the fine point to, to mm -hmm. create a texture is way more efficient than trying to carve a little slice out. So that's sort of where it started. And mm -hmm. I think for me, I like diagnose ADHD and I want to learn all the things and do all the things, but because I want to also be successful and live a comfortable life, I have committed to myself and this medium of wood that this is what it, this is my primary. And then mm -hmm. any other skill that I will have has to complement it. So like the mm -hmm. painting, oh yeah, I can paint because I'm painting my carvings and like pyrography, like, yeah, absolutely. That complements it. So mm -hmm. it's like, I had to give myself that structure of like, this is the foundation. This is what you love the most. And once you know, you achieve a level of mastery, then like, maybe I can go to metal working again, but mm -hmm. yeah. So if I, if, if I, it's, and it's also nice again, for the variety, for your body to have those different processes. You know, if I was constantly like hammering with the mallet, that's a lot of repetitions. Whereas if I have mm -hmm. variety, but still it's making the same thing. I think that's really good for my brain and my body. How have you, <clears throat> I mean, I really could sit here and talk carving all day, but I, I do want to like follow up because I always find this interesting too. Like, how have you grown it, like the business side of this? This, so yeah, that's been that, and that's still an ongoing process, to be honest. Like, I've had to do a lot of work on my own mentality about like scarcity, like, people in, in Winnipeg are like, Oh, there's no market for that. And I'm like, I don't need there to be a huge market. Cause I don't have a lot of competition mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, like this, these are one of a kind things. So the space that I work out of actually is a really amazing space. It's a maker space that is really like, I think it's like top in Canada of like how much, um, we've got 3d printers, we've got all sorts of lasers. We've got a crazy extensive metal area working mm -hmm. area. And like, I'm just here cause I like need the bandsaw and the table saw. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so there's a lot of other people in that, in the community that I'm in that are doing markets all the time. And so like, at first I thought, okay, I'm making spoons and serving boards. Like I do the markets and like, that didn't feel good or right. You know, like mm -hmm. I want to connect with people in a deeper way. And that is walking by and just looking at my stuff isn't, isn't the way to do it. Like I, a large part of this is like storytelling. Um, and, and I often find that when I go and I'm trying to push and find these opportunities, it doesn't work out. Um, but what does happen is when I get myself in a good space and I just do what I love and I'm happy and I share it abundantly, mm -hmm. opportunities come up. Like you, you asking me on this podcast was like mm -hmm. another confirmation where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm on the right path. So currently what my, what my, um, sort of goal is to find different, uh, galleries within Canada. And then eventually the States that have a demographic of people that will, appreciate my stuff and like to have relationships with those galleries and then mm -hmm. also sell through my website so yeah okay yeah that's always <clears throat> I mean that's still something you know almost six years in now as a business and I and I say that though with the thought that when I started as a business I also like started the most serious version of of woodworking so it's not like I had you know a bunch of like skill under I had skill but not like a ton of skill under my belt and stuff so everything's yeah. grown at once which also means then like no single piece has grown immensely <laughs> over exactly, time yeah. Um, yeah. but I'm definitely like I still struggle to find that correct audience for my work like a lot of people appreciate it um, but don't necessarily appreciate like, it at the level I, of money I need them to appreciate yeah, it. At. I was gonna say appreciate it verbally, <laughs> yes. but not not they don't appreciate it with their wallet. Yeah. Yes. I got I've got a lot of fans for yes. sure, but like um yeah, the financial backing is it's on its way. Uh, <laughs> like along the vein of like, you know, trying to find the people I I have feel like a lot of like during COVID, everybody's life kind yeah. of hit the fan, yeah. right? And I just have really kind of taken a step back and I'm more in the state of uh allowing than trying and just like they'll find me they'll mm -hmm. find me I trust it it's gonna happen in the meantime I'm gonna keep working in a way it's it's again like I'm gonna I'll give you two more examples of of 
things coming up. So a, a long time ago, I had, when I was still a hairstylist, didn't know I wanted to do this. Uh, I saw that TEDx was in Winnipeg and I wanted to go. So this is the time when you had to apply to be in the audience. I got rejected. I, I wasn't even qualified to be an audience member. <laughs> and, and then years later, while I'm at North Forge, um, the shop I work out of, I was talking about spoons super passionately. And then someone's like, you should apply to, who was like on, on a committee. She's like, you should apply to do a TEDx talk. I was like, that would be hilarious. Yeah, I'll just come in the back door instead of the front door. Yeah. And sure enough, like I did a TEDx talk on wooden spoons. It's actually, so I legally changed my name. So it's under my previous name. But if you look up the humble wooden spoon, there's a 13 minute TEDx talk that I've done <laughs> on like the history. Of, and it's like, that just came to me, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember the other one I was going to say, but yeah. It just, just like they come to me and I'm like, oh yeah, there was another one. I applied for uh, a grant, like an artist grant, but because mm -hmm. I've never done an exhibition that I have been paid artist fees for, I don't count as a professional artist and therefore mm -hmm. cannot get money from the Manitoba Arts Council. But a friend of mine applied for a grant for his space that he has like a permaculture garden. And part of his grant that he wrote was for me to make artwork for it. So I'm like, again, taking the back door, I'm still getting their money. <laughs> Right. money from them but so it's like okay I can't I can't even I can't afford to be disappointed by any like setbacks because it's just coming in another door like yeah. yeah yeah I think yeah this I mean take for me taking this leap and quitting a profession that I've done for almost 20 years to go to grad school is like scary but so exciting for one I'm like I get to do like art all day long <laughs> that's awesome. and and so that's exciting but one of my reasons is because like this particular program I know that I'll be introduced to and get to work with like designers all over the world and so it's like it's the opportunity of like oh finally connecting with the people that like perhaps would be interested yeah. in what yeah. I actually do, um, yeah. what I love to do. Um, what are you, what uh, career are you leaving and what are you, what's your, um, it, it's a 3d design, uh, furniture design. So, okay. um, I mean, I've always like, even since it, being a kid, I wanted like basically a, a studio furniture practice is what I would really love to yeah, do absolutely um so that's all one of a kind nothing is duplicated um yeah. <clears throat> though I am going kind of a more automated route and I was going to ask you about that a little bit too of like for your pieces have you um like I've really been thinking about this because I'm gonna I'm getting a CNC and so like I want to marry the two you know so that maybe a lot of the large work like for a bowl, let's say, like yeah. I could do a lot of the the shell of it rough and it. then yeah. rough it and then come in and do like my detailed work. So it's like, it's Absolutely. still something that's extremely creative and artistic, but I'm getting rid leverage. of like, yeah, yeah. Well, you're leveraging. Absolutely. Yeah. The shop that I work at has a CNC. And so like, I, it's like, I'm the analog person at the shop. Yeah. Um, and these people all push me to, oh, you should, you should, you should. And I'm like, I'm not accepting shoulds, yeah. but the, but lasering, I came around to lasering mm -hmm. when I was like, Oh, I can make, if I'm selling something that's like a couple hundred dollars, it's nice to have like a custom made box to fit it. Yeah. So I was like, well, packaging the CNC for sure. I made, um, I got a couple mirrors cut to custom sizes that mm -hmm. I made. And then, um, I've only executed one because, you know, attention yeah, span and yeah, doing yeah. a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, so I got the CNC to cut out the shape of a snake, a serpent mirror that I had nice. like drawn on a file yeah. and somebody else did it for me and did the perfect recess so that, you know, that's a uniform mm -hmm. flat for the mirror to sit on. And then I carved it and it's like, that's amazing. It's right. of course. Yeah. And, and definitely there's like people who are of the Puritan mentality who would, but like, I don't need your approval. You don't need their approval. It's, it's, what process resonates with you? Like, of course. Yeah. Well, I was even thinking like this literally came to me just last night as I'm like sitting with my kid, putting him to bed. I was like, <clears throat> cause we just had a local arts fest a couple weekends ago. And this idea, right. Of like these painters, especially like they've got the large, like original that they made. And then yeah. they've got all their like re 
reproduction pieces that yep. like, people like me can afford to, yeah. <laughs> to buy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm like, you know, because I, I was looking into for another job, like the 3D scanner capabilities and then putting those into CDNC files. I'm like, who's to say I couldn't make a large original carved art piece, scan it, have the CNC make the reproduction of it, and then be able to sell those at a cheaper price for yep. people to buy. Like, Absolutely. that had never even like crossed my mind, but I'm like, it just opens, to me, it opens the gates for like so much more artwork that I would rather not take the purest approach. Cause like, Absolutely. I could create all of that on my own. Yeah, and, and I think that there's also artists who, who struggle with like they want to make their work accessible and then therefore yeah. they just price it lower yeah. and it's like you don't need to cut your yourself out in order to make it accessible like there's nothing wrong with doing those those other mm -hmm. things like um yeah absolutely like make your make your inspiration piece right and like get people who are affluent and uh, can afford and love your work to to pay right. for that and then you can yeah make those other pieces that are more accessible for yeah. people Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. Yeah, I know d accessibility has always been a, something I struggle morally with <laughs> as an yeah. artist, um, <clears throat> because especially, I mean, I grew up poor, so it's like I, the idea of like somebody who really loves and wants to support you not being able to financially support you has always kind of like just been like a oh <laughs> you know like yeah. I want to make things more accessible but to your point like but that doesn't mean I'm going to cheapen my work like I yeah like I well and the way that I've reframed that for myself is that my inspiration like the inspiration is accessible mm -hmm. I share my process I share like I'm you know I share a lot of myself and so those people who don't can't afford to financially support you like what's accessible is that inspiration to do this for yourself to get yes. these satisfaction and this feeling for yourself mm -hmm. um because it's not just about like oh shit you can't receive that end product it's the it's the whole thing yeah. so that yeah. that is that's the accessible part is that you can you you can be inspired by it and you can do this yourself and mm -hmm. you know like there you're also accessible in that like i'm sure you respond to messages when people message yeah. you right yeah so i think i think we like have this blockage with money where we just think like oh that you know and it's like it's it's all energy right mm. you're giving people that energy money is also a form of energy it's just one that we have historically weighted more and that's another thing with my work too is like i'm like oh i'm not making the money but like people are giving, I I'm doing barters with my stuff mm -hmm. and getting things that I want. I bartered for this beautiful, there's a goldsmith here that, that mirror that I just talked about the serpent mm -hmm. mirror. I got a ring remade, like this beautiful gold ring remade for this mirror, like no money exchanged. Right. I don't, it doesn't <laughs> necessarily need to be money that is giving you the life that you want. Like we think mm -hmm. I need money. So that this and this, well, how about we just skip the money and get to the this and this? It, money yeah. doesn't need to be the the avenue to right. get to that. Yeah, yeah. I I mean that is one thing when I got when I started doing this as a business and you know did a couple of like markets or art shows. 
like I didn't even know about how much the barter system is alive in the art community specifically like yeah. yeah artists especially were like I can't afford your shit but I have something that you like yeah <laughs> give you my what exchange. what happens <laughs> what happens when somebody like because I'm sure this happened to everybody but what happens when somebody whose work you're not interested in asks you for a barter how do you handle that <laughs> oh that's a good question I honestly I don't know because it hasn't I haven't had that happen yet but I'm sure okay. it would happen <laughs> yeah how did I, you I, handle it <laughs> I, I would probably say like I I can't afford to to do a trade right now I yeah. need to yeah, yeah I would make it about me like my mm -hmm. aspect of it like yeah. the money is the most important asset I need right now yeah yeah I think that's probably the route I would I yeah, I, I yeah. for that reason, I'm very hesitant. I don't want to put people in an awkward position. So right. I don't typically propose it unless somebody is like, I'm fully aware they like my work. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, that can be sticky. Because sometimes it's like, you know what, e even though we could trade, it is nice to validate each other with money. Yes. yes. You know, it's more of this like abundance, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it is it is beautiful to be able to do it. I like yeah. love that. Even hair, hair. I've done that with hair too. Yeah. I, I guess I've heard, like, I've heard about that too from like my hairstylist about like the barter system there yeah. as well. So yeah. Um, it's really funny. Cause when my, sometimes my kids will ask that question, like, what would we do if, you know, capitalism basically like blew up and I'm like, we'd go back to the barter system. Like that's, yeah. That's the yeah. whole point. I'm like, that's what people did for thousands of years. Like, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you have stuff other people want. Exactly. So I'm that like, you can get your needs. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, let's make sure you have a skill that is like yeah. something that people are willing to give you stuff for. <laughs> well, and even like to to use like a way more intense example, like during Holocaust times, like high-level violin makers like a jewish high-level yeah. violin maker or or performer like their lives are safe because they're of value to their enemy even right like, it's uh, like i think about that too sometimes when i'm developing skills like yeah if we can if some authoritarian group mm -hmm. came in like I, i'm just gonna make myself really valuable <laughs> with some something right right, right. <laughs> my, that's my apocalypse mindset you know I'm with you there. Um, yeah. And I would say a lot of us in the U.S. are probably feeling that right now. But <laughs> yeah. 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 I did forget about that for yeah. you guys. We just like, look, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Reality getting... sometimes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, okay. Asked you about the CNC stuff. I'm just trying to think, like, what's you're also you when you talked about animals you do a lot of animal themed stuff mm -hmm. is that that's like is that how you niche down to besides like carvings your core skill is, yeah are animals your core like focus it yeah it seems like that like I I'll do like if I can't if I need to start a new project and I don't have anything to do I'll look through my old sketchbooks and often mm -hmm. I'm realizing like these are things I've drawn since I was a kid, you know? So I'm like, oh, this is like inner child still coming out. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but more lately, what I've been doing is like, I'll have an idea. Like, for example, I just started this mermaid and, and it was like, you know, what our current modern day aesthetic of a mermaid is like beautiful and whatever. But mm -hmm. as I'm drawing it, I'm like, oh, this is not what and I used to should myself about like oh then I would try and then of course yeah. you get more rigid and it doesn't look the way it does but it's like I have a weird bald pregnant mermaid now and that's it and works. I'm just like again <laughs> allowing these strange things to right. like I was working on this horse that's um actually it's behind me up there <laughs> but um I wanted to make like a really plump like ch you know chubby horse because I'm like yeah you know, we don't see this. Like, uh, like I've never even in person, like you little ponies or whatever, right, but like, right. and then as I was working on it, it just turned into like, oh, these legs should be fingers. So like the legs have like little fingers on them. And it's like, I don't, I'm just like allowing the weird things to happen instead of it just being a thought and pushing it away. I'm like, all right, yeah, we're going with this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the animals seem to be like the foundation. And now there's like, I've accepted that. And now there's like deviations happening that are really interesting. Maybe a little bit of uh, like macabre 
slipping in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I love like I definitely like think about death a lot and like I had looked into I still would like to have some other like periphery, like actual form of security job that's I enjoy. So I was like looking into being a death doula and yeah, just thinking about the process of death and like it not being like terrible, you mm-hmm. know, like it's it's I definitely believe like there's your energy doesn't go away. You're not going to exist in the same way. So yeah, I definitely think about a lot of morbid stuff and it's, yeah, I love it. I, I love that. Like you're embracing that because I feel like number one, I feel like that's really the only way like any artist ever actually takes off when they stop necessarily trying to be like, well, what would somebody else want? <clears throat> yeah. And just focus on bringing that, you know, whatever, strange image in your head to life type thing. Yeah. Um, but I think like, I also think that people are just like super hungry for that. Um, because we all have something like, I don't like quote unquote weird (laughs) that we are, are into. And so I think like, that's how you find your tribe too, right. Of like the people who, who want to follow along with you. Yeah. Yeah. And like Instagram has been the best for that growth. Like people have been super supportive. I've made a lot of really good connections, conversations, uh, selling stuff directly through it. Like as I post Mm -hmm. my progress along, um, there'll usually be like two or three people that like, I can tell by the end of it, like one of them is going to be like, Hey, how much is that? You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you been on social the whole time through like that you've kind of been doing this or is that something yeah actually now that we're talking about it I um I did omit one thing from the origin story is the furniture refinishing so mm-hmm. in between the hairstyling and going to that program I was doing a lot of furniture refinishing so that's where my Instagram started with all the refinishing stuff gotcha and that coming into the furniture part I would love I actually have a, a chair in my living room that's like got some like kind of more less detailed carving on it that I would love to like the whole process of building the furniture from scrap and like setting up the table saw and cutting tenons. Yeah, like, yeah. I like, I like designing it. I now know a couple of people in the city that I can outsource it to. I don't have any interest in building it. I now know that. Um, but to like carve on somebody else's furniture that maybe it's been my design or an old piece of furniture and give it new mm. life by adding, like I have a piece I'm working on with my partner right now. Um, he's doing the refinishing and I'm going to make these like uh, on my iPad and designing a serpent and then I'm going to cut it out on the laser so that they can be mirrors of each other. And those are going to be the appliques on the furniture. Uh, Okay. Nice. So, so yeah, probably for like, Oh, it's like 10 years. Mm -hmm. I I completely wiped my um, Instagram when I at a certain, probably during COVID when I changed my name just Mm -hmm. as a way to like reset. Um, But yeah, I've been consistently on it. Nice. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I am not a furniture refinisher. I took like one job way under cost or way under bid that job because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, I realized during that that mm, there's probably no amount of money that somebody could pay me yeah. to have yeah. me refinish furniture. Um, like I have family heirloom pieces that need badly need to be refinished. And I'm just for yourself for myself. And I'm still even like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I I definitely don't refinish to original. It's like, I'll, I'll re I would call it reimagining the furniture. Right. So it's like taking your grandma's furniture and bringing it into the modern world. It's, it's built beautifully or whatever, and then painting it eclectically and whatever. So yeah, if somebody asked me to refinish to original, I've got my like, Oh, here, here are my referrals to other local people. (laughs) Cause like my instinct is just be like, no, like there's no way no one likes sanding. No, (laughs) nobody likes. Yeah, exactly. And all the chemicals you have to use and everything like that to get the finish off. But yeah. Um, not, not my ball of wax, but I never thought about the idea of like adding my own carvings to it. Like that. Could Absolutely. Be totally. <laughs> and that and low commitment. Like it's just yeah. a thing like this, like, right, a, uh, you right. know, uh, a relief carving. Yeah. 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 Um, and well, and it's interesting because I, this like just came to me like this week, uh, a call or not a call, an email 
from an architect, you know, in a neighboring state being like, hey, I'm working on restoring this like 1800s building and I need like the the rosettes and corbels like I need replicas made of them and like had gotten my name you know from some event that I had been at and reached out to me and normally like like if again if it was just like to refinish or bring back to life like I totally would probably be like no I'll give you names of people who like that's their jam but this interests me because it's like oh like I've never tried to carve to something um if that makes sense like it's always been whatever's in my head I've never tried to like replicate something replicate something and it definitely has me like intrigued um especially because I also I really like antique stuff and I really like old carved stuff yeah yeah like I I really like the old furniture but I don't like just like looking at the old wood like how much wood can you just have in your house right so to like paint (laughs) it and to add like a new like yeah yeah I, I was when you're talking about the rosette it made me like somebody did one on the cnc here and like it mm-hmm. needed to be cleaned up but like that would be a great job to like if you've got well, the photos of them yeah. the cnc to yeah that's, that would that's actually i know that's buying. actually what i'm that is what i proposed to them was like yeah i'll and that's why the 3d scanner part came in too because i was like okay i can 3d scan these and then do a large bit of the work on the cnc yeah. And um, just come through and clean it up and do some of the smaller detail work, you know, on my own. And then I told him, I said, that actually makes it affordable for you because there's no way I can make these pieces like from scratch for anything that you would probably willingly pay me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because it's like it takes so much time. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm still waiting on if that comes. I back mean, is it is is it an architecture job, or is it for his personal? It is an architecture job. So trust me, I did pad the numbers a bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I was gonna say if it's if it's for a commercial, like yeah, I wouldn't make any assumptions of what they can afford. <laughs> they can right. tell you. I I feel like I do you ever get that when you like quote a job and someone says yes immediately and you're like damn Fuck, yes. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, uh, cause, cause like really the number I wanted and think I deserve is higher, but I yeah. felt anxious. And right, so, yeah, right. I'm getting into a better habit of just being like, you know what? I do need some people to say no, yes. because if they say no, that means that I'm charging what I'm worth, you know? Yes. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely on that same wavelength of, and it, for me, it's been more with, cause I also do like brand sponsored content stuff is just a way to always trying to like spread out where I get all the money from. Yeah. Um, and that's usually where I see it more than anything is I get a yes, like instantly from like yeah. the marketing manager. And I'm like, Son of a-. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like it took you less than 30 seconds to respond in email, that that was yeah. okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I like to give like for my carving commissions, which I don't take a lot of commissions anymore. Um, because of this reason of the misquoting uh i give a i give a range yeah that'll it's going to be 300 to 500 dollars and like especially with carving for me it's like i can stop it there's there's usually a point where i get to i can stop at any point Mm -hmm. but if you want it to be as detailed as i know it can be and and it'll be beautiful i can (laughs) so it's like i will inevitably go up to that threshold but at least they've got that window of it. And I feel comfortable delivering that. And then they have that. Yeah. And sometimes it, I've have had to go a bit over, but yeah, other people have been really, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's all about communication and like um, keeping people's expectations aligned with reality, like giving them updates. Like I like to send some photos during the process so that they can, you know, the whole point of them paying you to do is they're emotionally invested yes, in it yeah. they don't want to just have that first point of contact and then the last point but there's also like that not allowing them too much access because sometimes you're like this is no longer worth my time because you're like hey can you change yes. this and, yeah right and it's like <laughs> oh I just don't know about this and it's like that is fine it will be fine you know yes so yes sometimes that's like but that's that's rare but yeah, yeah I like the spectrum pricing yes 
that's that's a good idea i i've also gone the route of like just asking what their budget is yes uh without before ever giving them a number that's um yeah that's i try to do that every time some people don't want to and i'm like no you have a number in your head yes give it to me (laughs) i i can because then we know whether this is realistic or not right exactly get this over with and so i think i will say like i get a lot more no's that way because i'm giving the no's like yeah oh you want like an eight foot dining table for 300 bucks not happening like i can't even even. buy the wood for 300 yeah like yeah you know and and obviously like i'm not rude about it but it's like an educational point like yeah if you want something for this price point you're gonna have to buy it from a store and it's not gonna be unique because like yeah you just don't understand how much this costs like yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is um there's a furniture maker called Michael Fortune who does he calls it blink pricing. So he what he does is he's talking the value. So I'll use a stool that I made for example. So um so if we do just the basic stool with um you know just the basic stool yeah. is this price. If you want to have foot rails on it, it's this price. If you want to have a little scoop in the seat, it's this price. So he he goes and keeps like adding value mm-hmm. until the person blinks and then he stops. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Obviously, this would have yes. to be an in-person yes. consultation, yes. but I was like, that's a really interesting strategy. But building value is important. Like some people, like that when people will message me. And be like, hey, I want to get this done. How much? And it's like, well, I don't have nearly enough information to tell right, you a right. price. Also, if price is one of the first questions, I get a yeah, feeling that yeah. this, you know, that's maybe not going to be uh, the right fit because you're a price yeah. shopper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It is. It is just really interesting to to figure that out. And and like art yeah. doesn't have an inherent value. Exactly. It has emotional value. And so yeah. therefore it's, you know, I've, I have been sort of playing with not, so I've been religiously keeping track of all my time for it, but do I keep track of the drawing process? Do I keep track of the acquiring the wood, the driving to the store? No. So really even that time carving yeah. isn't, you know, and so when people ask, how long does this take? It's like, I don't know. I've, I've just come to the point where it's like, I'm going to just copy what other people said 36 years. <laughs> just my that. age yeah. that's yeah. how long it took for me to get the skills to do this right six years yeah there's another maker who suggested that I just bore the heck out of them with like well first you know and just tell the story of uh, you know first I go out and I go to the acquire the wood and you know and they just like bore the hell out of them and then they don't care right but right. yeah 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 I I always struggle with the time estimate too like I actually stopped religiously keeping track of my time because it was making me very sad and upset because I realized how under like estimated my time was. And so now I just like in my head, I'm like, oh, I could do that in two hours, I think. And so I automatically double it and then add like wiggle room on top of that Um, because I'm like, I I know I'm under like undershooting what it's actually going to take do that. Yeah. 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 I'm trying anything that I catch myself doing that's religiously doing it. I'm yeah. like, ooh, re- religion is yeah. what I want with any of this, like having a good <laughs> practice. But like yeah. it just it just feels rigid, right? And that's yeah. not yeah. 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 It's hard to yeah. I mean this this you know job that I'm that I quoted for the architect was my first chance to take a, a stab at the idea because of wanting to mix in the cnc of like adding a bulk like here's like design and programming time yeah like and that's just a set fee a one-time fee not like a per piece fee but a one-time fee and like and being able to say like that's what i would also need up front before i would even start like yeah that time has to be paid for yeah yeah yeah, I will. I, I will do it with commissions where it's like um, I sometimes will charge the design fee, but you definitely have to make a deposit like yep. one third of total cost. I will work up to that deposit mm-hmm. and then you give me another deposit. I'm not working until that money is there, yep. you know, because I love the other things that I do for my own pleasure that I also sell. Right. So why would I prioritize something that isn't, you know, because I still have this this piece from somebody who they paid me like $500 for, 
and it's a total of a you know two thousand dollar project at that time maybe my prices have increased since then i don't know yeah. but it's been two years i haven't heard back and i'm like i'm not gonna chase you i still right. have this <laughs> weird crude thing but like you obviously didn't want it very badly like i don't know yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna keep working on it and right. chasing you for something right. if you don't want it like you know yeah that's, a, that's also a good idea i never thought about that i usually ask for half down and then yeah. say like the the remaining half at delivery at time of delivery um but that is a good point um, cause I haven't been stiffed yet, but I'm sure it's bound to happen. As yeah. I mean, <laughs> like after the person's given me several payments, sometimes right. like I have this, the one son carving right now, it's like, yeah, I'm fine with the last like $200 on delivery. That's yeah. fine. But like majority of it, I, I, cause I think like, Oh, people think, Oh, you, you love doing what you do. It's like, and I love being paid for what I do too. <laughs> exactly. And if I'm not being paid for what I do, it's, this is my own self-initiated work that's where I'm taking the risk yeah. with yeah. my own stuff, not with yeah. your stuff. Yeah. Cause to your point, I mean, if it's some weird, whatever, it's like your likelihood of even if they don't pay you to be able to sell that to somebody else, like is extremely low. If it was a commission, that's very specific yeah. to a person. Well, and, and I think too, I didn't make any contract with this person, like now thinking I should like definitely change orders should be a thing. Like if people want to mm -hmm. change something, you have to pay me a fee to change something from the original plan. Cause yeah. first of all, the communication with you and then also the changing of it. Um, but there should also be like a, after this amount of time without payment, you know, like tattoo artists, right? Like you don't show mm -hmm. up to your appointment, you lose your deposit. It, yeah yeah why is my value less than that like if you don't if if this is like the size of the piece is like this it's yeah. kind of like the storage is relevant but like so let's say it was a bigger piece and it's like taking up space in my shop but like by this date if i haven't received payment uh then your your deposit is null and void and just having that like written like i think it's artists don't take themselves as seriously to do that but it's like this is yeah this is a business this isn't just what i love like i want both i want to live a comfortable abundant life and i want to make art that makes people happy and me happy mm -hmm. yeah yeah i've i've learned the hard way a few times that i should have contracts now am i going to say that i've actually gotten that done no i have not <laughs> no <laughs> it's, yeah. it's something yeah. that's like it, i know the value in it because I've been yeah. bur burned too many yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Or like I've had instances where it's like, you know, they bought a piece of mine off of a showroom floor and then they did something to it and it's broken now. And they're like, either they want a replacement or they want it fixed. And I'm like, sure, but it's going to cost this. Like, yeah. Absolutely. That for sure. I didn't do anything to it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, the, you. <laughs> is this a faulty manufacturing thing or is this a, right. you damaged it, right? Like right. <laughs> the war yeah. warranty doesn't cover that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of those fun things that, I mean, honestly, when you even growing up and you think the word artist, you don't think of all of those other like no Jesus. yeah well it but i think like now is the time where it's becoming more culturally um like a, not acceptable valued is the word i guess i'm looking mm -hmm. for like we we are in the generation where creativity uh because like we are things are becoming automated because we have machines creativity is becoming more of a value uh we as artists just have to get up to speed with that right. and see our value <laughs> because if we're not seeing our value it's we're going to keep undercharging and like yeah and and another thing i was doing some research on tiktok's been amazing this is like mm -hmm. such a resource for information like so it's like having a relationship with a gallery and then if somebody approaches you outside of the gallery and wants to pay less um you say no because right. if they if they're you know this is all about the story and the emotion mm -hmm. behind it and people love like they want to talk about this beautiful piece of art they got one of the things they're going to talk about especially in winnipeg is the deal they got on it if they got the deal i don't know why <laughs> winnipeg is like this but this is like you compliment somebody's pair of pants they're like great five dollars it, it's just the culture here it's really funny but so yeah and then it undervalues your work because that now people know they can get it for less and they won't right. you know so you have to regardless of like the gallery taking 40 percent mm -hmm. you and and you think oh well i'm getting a bigger piece of it outside you, you have to be comfortable to say no to this so yeah. this is my this is my work right now getting in line with that being like 
this is this is what well, it is. And I also think about if I take less, I undervalue all my peer artists. Yeah. Like that's what bothers me when I walk around a market and see the prices that have yeah. been put on things. And I'm like, stop, like yeah. triple that because yeah. I know there's no way yeah. you did like, like I saw just because you probably will understand this. Like me, I saw like this, I don't know, gorgeous burl carved platter at the art festival for $45. Mm, that's upsetting. I saw spoons for that much. I know. And I just was like, I get ugh. like, I had to walk away because <laughs> I wanted to just like take him and like shake him and be like, yeah, stop. Like, yes, you might get this sold. But, and I mean, and I could tell by looking at it, like, no, you, you carve the, like you power carve this at least like I could see the tooling, you know, some of the tooling marks that got missed in the sanding process. Yeah. But I'm like, even if you power carved it with a, with an angle grinder, like you, you spent more than an hour on this. I can guarantee that. Like, yeah. You know, well, so, just putting finish on it. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely see that there's, and that's also why I stopped doing some of the markets too. Cause I'm like, I don't think people see that value and I don't want to be aligned with that type yeah. of people who, who are purchasing that. Cause like, I, I'm sure every maker's experience, the person who walks around is like, I could do that. Yes. And it's like, go, well, <laughs> go ahead. Yes. I welcome you to actually, I teach spoon carving classes. Yes. <laughs> actually, that's my favorite teaching spoon carving classes and people afterwards are like, they have a whole new whole appreciation. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's actually like, um, when I did the few markets I did, like I have a YouTube channel and I, I started the YouTube channel mainly because when somebody, I was thinking ahead, when somebody buys the piece, like after it's been made for a while, I want to be able to be like, okay. And then here's like the video of like the process. Yeah. So you can see like the whole thing. But I, when I would do markets, I would actually bring like a smart TV with me and That's like good. loop the YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, and that really squashed a lot of that, like, I could make that type of conversation Absolutely. because yeah. I'm like, I sped that up to a hundred speed, like a hundred times speed. And it still took 20 minutes of video. If that gives yeah. you any idea yeah. of like yeah. what goes behind it, you know, and it just, it like stopped any questioning of like prices or anything. Cause it's like, you can like, that's really you smart. can see the process yeah like. I've yeah I've done it where I've like I've worked on a mask yeah live like live, and, yeah yeah and people it's really interesting people and it's like I really think our job is about selling the romance yeah you know it's like it's not it really isn't as romantic as people think to come home covered in dust and your pores be completely clogged yeah. <laughs> but it all it is also it is also romantic. Like, and right. so that's the part that we, of course, you're only going to like, you know, people complain about oh, social media. You're only showing me. Why would I show all the, like, I, I'm being honest and authentic, right. but like, this is the lens in which I'm presenting it where it's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are like, we're actually past our time together, but um, <laughs> I've enjoyed talking with you so much and I yeah, want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find you and follow along with your work. Okay. Yeah. On uh, Instagram, it's ava.j.foster. I think it's the same on TikTok. I am just getting into making TikToks, which is fun. It's definitely mm -hmm. a process of like, I resist this, um, <laughs> but, but like, once I get it, I'm like, I ah, made a video. Look at those transitions. That's right. Um, yeah. And then uh, my website, same avajfoster.ca. Awesome. Thanks so much for the chatting with me today. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. All right. So again, that was Ava Foster and I'll include the links on how you can find her and follow along with her in the show notes for today's episode. Best places to find that is first check the description for the episode on your podcast app. If you're watching this over on YouTube, description box down below, or you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast. A big thank you to Ashley Minnie who wrote and performed our um podcast theme song absolutely love it so thank you so much ashley 
And uh, make sure you follow along with the podcast on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution, all one word, no spaces or underscores at Crafting Revolution. Say hi to your host while over there. You can find me, Katie Freeman at Freeman Furnishings and my co-host Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of the previous episodes, please head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review for Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. We'll be back with one more new episode this week. In the meantime, and as always, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fan, fan.